Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For, his, for by the grace given me, I say to everyone of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you oath, but rather think of yourself with proper judgment. In accordance with the faith God has given, has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many from one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts in accordance, uh, in a, a, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to, you, to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who, who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It is, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine, mine to avenge, and I will, I will repay. Says the Lord, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, then give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but, but evil with good. But overcome evil with good. So I'm gonna pray. So, Lord, I ask you that you give us revelation through, through your word, Lord, that you show us uh, what you want to tell us today, Lord, and that you give us the, the right thoughts, the right mindset, that you renew our minds to, to understand your world. And I ask you, Lord, that you speak to Andy and that you give us grace and favor to understand what, what you want to tell us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Juan. You can chat that up, Guy, if you want. Good morning. We're um, carrying on in our series in Romans 12. It's nice to have the whole chapter read every week, so hopefully by the end of this we'll become familiar with it. Um, 
Earlier this week on Wednesday, I had an experience that you might relate to. I was trying to read a bit of scripture, Psalm 47, verses 2, 3, and 4. They go like this. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Now, that's simple enough to read, isn't it? But it took me five minutes to read that on Wednesday because my thoughts were going everywhere. Every second that I looked at the page, suddenly a thought would appear out of nowhere, something completely distracting, something not related to this whatsoever. I don't know if you know that experience, where you're trying to focus on something important, and it's as if someone has a machine gun firing thoughts at you, left, right, and center, and you're constantly trying to get back. And then one thought hit me, that I feel maybe was from God in his grace, was simply this. It says here in verse 3 that God subdues the nations. And the thought was, and you can't even subdue your thoughts for five minutes. And I thought, actually, that is where we're beginning in this chapter, that we have the inability to even control our own thoughts, let alone the world out there. But thank God we worship the God who can subdue the world and let's invite him to subdue, take control, shape our own thoughts right now. So why don't we pray again and submit our thinking to God. Lord, we pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to offer even our thoughts as a living sacrifice right now to you, subdued, waiting, eager, willing, wanting to hear, wanting to listen, wanting to know, wanting to discover. We want our opinions to change where they need to change. We want our right views to be strengthened and encouraged. We want to repent of the wrong attitudes that we have about the world and about people and ultimately about you. So Lord, come, subdue our minds as you subdue the nations under your feet and let them be glorifying to you in the process, Lord. So what do we want to renew our minds about today? Well, I think it's about the topic of gifting, which is a popular topic. You can go into any bookstore, any social media thing, and you will find a whole load of things about talent, about gifts, about um, people's innate abilities, uh, what they're good at. The uh, sport is all about gifted people, isn't it? And I, I wonder, how do we tend to think about gifted people in the church? Um, And as I was thinking about this, I remembered this series. I don't know if any of you have seen this series a few years ago. It was called Heroes. Um, It gets about a 6.8 star review on IMDb, so it's not that good. Um, But I got into it. And I I feel like actually there's an illustration of how we can sometimes think about the church in relation to this. Because essentially what goes on in Heroes is there are background characters. People that could swap in and swap out and you would not notice. They're just the background cast who sort of feature there at the back of a scene, wandering around... And they're often subject to falling buildings landing on them, but we don't care about that. Or a a car flipping, but you don't really hear about the driver. Anything like that. Background characters 
who don't have any special abilities. And then there are the special ability people, the heroes, who, because of some grand eclipse, suddenly get these amazing superpowers. And they have storylines for themselves. Each one has a different superpower. And they're all um, heroes in their own way. They all have the different storylines. You like some, you don't like others. And then there are these two characters. There's Peter Petrelli with the shiny hand and Sila looking grumpy. And both of these essentially have the same power, but they do it in different ways. Sila can take other superheroes' abilities and become the multi-talented one, the all-powerful one. And he does it by cutting the tops off their heads and snatching it out of their brain. Peter Petrelli does it in a nicer way. He just absorbs people's powers when he's around them. Why I think this slightly depicts how often we think about the idea of gifting in the church, especially perhaps in the West, in more comfortable church settings where you can get away with this, is there are background characters in church, people who come in and go and you might not necessarily notice. They might think this about themselves or they might be ignored in a church community. Background characters who don't really feel like they have anything to give. Then there are the special ability people who have powers. Perhaps they uh, lead ministries. They have their own storylines in the church, recognized individuals. And then there are the people who are expected to be the multi-talented ones who are able to do absolutely everything. And those are the pastors. And the pastors can either go bad and hurt people in the process of becoming the big superpower in the church, or they can do it in a nice way, like Peter Petrelli. But still, the model, that way of church being designed, is a major divergence from the teaching of the Bible. The Bible's teaching is that everyone, every Christian, is gifted. No one is special. And the mission is only accomplished when we all do it together. Everyone is gifted. Not certain characters. Everyone. No one is the special, multi-talented superpower. And the only way to fully accomplish the mission that God has given to us is to come together. And we sort of touched on this two weeks ago when we looked at the opening verses of Romans 12. Because it says this, offer your bodies, plural, so each of you as an individual, so we don't lose our individualism in the church, we don't lose the fact that we are an important individual, offer your bodies as one living sacrifice. The idea is that there is a sacrifice that can be offered up to God, which it says is holy and pleasing to God. But that sacrifice is not each of our individual lives. That, is, that sacrifice is when we come together. Because it says, offer your bodies as one living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to God. What really pleases God God, first of all, is simply when we come together. Coming together like this, joining together, that is the pleasing sacrifice to God. 
And that's why, actually, in the membership sessions that we're doing right now, we are emphasizing this reality that there is a big transformation moment in a Christian's thinking. A big moment of maturity, you might say, in a Christian's mindset when they go from thinking, I go to church, to I am part of the church. Now, it seems small, but it is seismic in the impact that has on you when you shift in your attitude from, oh, I go to church on a Sunday, and this is the church I go to, to I am part of this church. It has huge impact on your life. And that's, again, why we emphasize with our members or people coming into membership that we want to emphasize being before doing. That your place in this church is simply because you are part of this body. You don't have to earn your way into this community. You don't have to achieve it. You don't start with your gifts and say, hey, I'm good at this and I'm good at that. Can I join? Or I'm gifted at this or I think God may have called me to do this. Can I be part of this? No. We start by the very fact that it says here, we are connected together in Christ and that is our starting place. So all of our serving that we do for one another, the way that we use our gifts, should come from a deep place of belonging in this church. We don't act in order to try and belong. We don't behave rightly. We don't try and uh, use our gifts so that we feel like we can belong around here. Now that might rub up the wrong way some of us who are more activist types. Hey, I like to be doing something. I hate to just sit still. And Fair enough, different personalities work differently, but as long as you're doing that from a place of really knowing that you belong here, even if you aren't able to do what you're keen to do, you are loved, you are part of this community, simply by coming together. That's the first place. We're connected in Christ. It says in this verse, verse five, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And I think it's so important to contrast this with generally the way of the world, which is most social groups that are out there, you have to, your, the entry requirement is really something that you can boast about. You join a sports club, you're part of a sports club because of your sporting ability. Or you join a political group because of your opinions or your political persuasions. Or even you learn music and it's your ability to learn music or a language. But it's things about you, it's, it's something that you could boast about, is how you join that group. And your entry requirement for that group is something that you could walk away and kind of boast about in some way. But the church is very different. The only thing we can all boast about, the only thing that connects all of us, if you're a Christian, is that you're a loser. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. There is a moment in every person's life when they do this evaluation. They look at their life, what they've made of it so far, where it's going, what they might be able to achieve, and they look at the life of Christ which has been offered to them at the cross and in his resurrection, and they have to choose. You choose your life and give up Christ, or give up your life and gain Christ. And Jesus makes it that simple. If you want to follow me, you've got to lose your life. That's how we're connected to one another, first of all. In Christ, by faith, that's how we connect with one another. That's how we come together. That's what's pleasing to God. 
is those who have simply started as losers. I've lost my life so that I could have the life of Christ because it's so much greater than whatever I could have carved out in this world, whatever I could have achieved. Christ is so much better. So that's the starting place. And I think a number of people would be happy there if we stopped there with our connection. Okay, we're connected in Christ. Great. We're connected to Christ. Great. But it does carry on here in verse 5. And it says, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There are some people that would really emphasize their connection to Christ, but they really minimize their connection to other Christians. Okay, other Christians live their own Christian life. Fine. We're all individuals. I have my Christianity. I follow Jesus. That's me, and I'll go to church, but I don't really see any connection to these other people. Well, that's simply not what the verse here is saying. Once we become connected to Christ, we are now supernaturally connected to other Christians. Imagine someone was taking a dog for a walk in the park. Dog starts digging, and it discovers a bone, and it's a funny-shaped bone, and you pick it up, and you start to wonder, I wonder what this was for. I wonder what animal it was part of, and I wonder what function it had in that animal. Now, if you're an archaeologist like um, someone amongst our congregation, you could probably maybe figure out generally what that's part of, but you're not going to get it exactly right. It's largely guesswork until you find the rest of the bones. And then when you've found the rest of the bones, then you can start putting all the different shaped bones together and figuring out what each one would have been there for, what its function was. And I think it's very much similar with us as Christians. Each of us on our own is, a, is an individual bone with a slightly different shape, but on its own doesn't really make that much sense. But it's in the context of the rest that suddenly it comes alive, suddenly it makes sense. Your gifts, your abilities, your God-given talents, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you will only really make sense in the context of the rest of the body. The rest of the church is the context that is required for your life to make sense. Because Jesus hasn't just saved you as an individual to be an individual. You've been connected into Christ, and now in Christ you're part of his body. And the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be shaping you into a part of that body. So there's a new shape that's forming in you. There are new abilities. There's new ways of working. The, 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 the Holy Spirit is doing amazing deep change in you. And you're only going to figure out how that really should work, what that's for, where you're going to be able to use that in a productive way in the context of a church. And I'd say this, this is where it really helps to believe in the sovereignty of God, which is God's, God's power, God's control over all things. It really helps to believe in the sovereignty of God at this point because now you have a higher view of your local church, your gathered church, wherever you are. Many people here, 
don't gather regularly with us, but I'd say wherever you do regularly gather, you should have a very high view of that group of people because that is the body that God has put around you for you to learn about your gifting and for you to be able to step out and for you to function as a God-given gift to this world, no matter how big or small that group is, because it's interesting. This passage in Romans is written to a church in Rome. We don't know how large they were. We don't know who made up that group. We don't know whether they're big or small as a group. But Paul writes the same metaphor to another church in Corinth, totally different part of the world, with very different people, probably a different size group. He uses the same metaphor for both, and he's trusting that in each context, God has put the right people there for each of them to work together. So this isn't just about the global church, or I can find my fit in all of the Christians, the billions of Christians that are around the world. No, this is God has designed your gift to come to its fullness in the context of the literal people that he's put you around and he's put around you. We should have an extremely high view of the literal people in this literal room right now if we are regularly gathering together because that, these people, are the people that God has designed for your gift to come out and for you to function best in this world. It's not random, it's not an accident that these are the people that you rub shoulders with regularly in your spiritual journey. This is the body that Jesus makes you come alive in. And I find this encouraging, this reality that this can work with a small group of six Christians hidden away in a country where they're being persecuted versus somewhere in the Bible Belt of America with 20,000. God can still fulfill his mission in both contexts, and people can still use their gifts in both contexts. Because what we have here is not Paul saying, you have to achieve a certain model of church for God to be happy. Paul is saying here, what we are put on this earth to achieve is the mission of God, which is actually much simpler and more complex. You can easily get caught up, especially if you work in pastoral ministry, in trying to achieve a certain model of church, especially with social media out there, especially with church conferences, where you go around and you see how all the other churches do things, how their Sunday services, the different ministries that they, they run, that they have this or that, they structure things like this, they have this budget, they can afford these members of staff, and you start to get caught in this turmoil of trying to achieve a certain model of church, and then you create these ministries and you try and force people into those, no matter what shape they are, and they all come out walking like this, because we haven't in any way engaged with the people in the room, we've just tried to shove them into the model that we think is the one that pleases God the most. These churches didn't have hosting teams probably. Sorry, hosting team, we love you. I'm going to get to you in a second. They didn't have a tech group. They didn't have PA. They probably didn't have a trained preacher. They had gifted people who were achieving the mission of God. 
What is that mission? Well, I think you get to it at the bottom of Romans 12. Romans 12 is how the church, when they gather together, should function. And at the end, I think we have a bit of a strap line, an amazing line, which tells us what the mission is. Verse 21 says this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think that's the mission. To not be overcome by this evil age, but instead to overcome this evil age with good. To be light in darkness and to dispel darkness. That's the mission. It starts by preaching the gospel. That's what Paul emphasizes at the beginning of the book of Romans. We've been going through it online in the evenings. He starts by saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. This is what the community is coming together for. It's our joint mission is to preach the gospel and then provide a place, become a community for people to arrive when they've believed the message. So you're calling people out of darkness and then you're becoming a community of light. You're calling people out of death and you're becoming a community of life. You're calling people out of this world of chaos and you're becoming a world of peace. Which funnily enough is how someone described our cafe during the week. The way that Eunice, using her gift, has designed it with the team that she's got. They said immediately as they came in, wow, this is an oasis of peace. We're meant to give reverberations of the new creation. There's a new creation coming and we're meant to send out the sort of beacon and say this is what it's going to be like. That's what the rest of Romans 12 is all about, describing a community into which someone can arrive and experience that new creation. And that's what the gifts are for, to create that environment. Your gifts are not to try and achieve our staff team's expectations. Please hear me there. We are not trying to achieve a certain model of church and then we're just going to fit you into it. No, our gifts are to create an environment into which people can come when they are saved, when they have believed the gospel, and they will experience the new world. So that's where I found it helpful to actually take these gifts in Romans 12, the seven different gifts, and that's not the full list, it's just a great depiction of the various kinds of gifts, and connect them with the environment that's being described in the rest of Romans 12. We're going to get to these verse by verse over um, these months, but if you're looking at Romans 12, it'd be helpful. And we do have our brand new uh, little welcome thing. When you walk in next time, you can grab a free Bible if you don't have one. But have a look at Romans 12, because the environment into which we want people to land is a community where we are devoted to others. And I am so grateful for people like Mark Luscombe and others who devote themselves to us with the gift of serving by washing up week in, week out. And we are encouraging more people to sign up to wash up. Use your gift to be a blessing for us, devoting ourselves. And the tech team who devote themselves by arriving incredibly early on Sundays, devoting themselves to others in that process, a community where we love one another sincerely, not superficially, 
and this is your moment hosting team. I am so grateful for you, Colm, John, others. James, it's helpful you wear the blue t-shirt so I can spot you. Someone wrote this uh, on Google recently, it's up there. I attended while visiting London in June. The hospitality was beyond anything I've experienced. You immediately feel like you are part of the church. Thank you for loving sincerely, not superficially, the people who come into this place. We want to be a community where the least honorable are shown the most honor. Often, kids are treated like they're the least honorable. You want them out of the room. They're a nuisance. I am so grateful for our kids' workers who champion our kids and get them on the platform and been encouraging us to try and work with our kids so that they can be part of our services more and that we can get excited about their growth, their development, and how they're being taught rather than treating them and putting them off to the side. And she's not here, but Fon Ha, who is someone who has been devoted to new parents, going into that early stage of being a new parent and the terrifying prospect of that and everything, Fon Ha is there on the end of the phone and often in hospital with people, dedicating herself to them and encouraging prayer and love. I'm so grateful for that. We want to be a community where we are hopeful for a better future, not hiding from this rubbish present, and I'm so grateful for the lady who's saying amen at the moment, Ivy, and people like her and people like Megan, who are prophets amongst us. And they use their prophetic gift to share, to paint a picture of a better future that is going to be the future that we walk into as a church. I'm so grateful that we can be a community that is patient, standing with one another through thick and thin, and people like... Safina and Tim, who have encouraged me and many others. And even Paul, Paul's not here today, I don't think, but Paul Hayward came into the prayer meeting last Sunday morning and just said, can I just say to everyone, I love you all, this is a wonderful church, I'm so happy to be here. Just something like that, that keeps you going through thick and thin, doesn't it? I'm so grateful for our people who do the hospitality who use that gift in amazing ways, our cafe team who've been setting up the refreshments here, our cooking team who are doing it right now. Please, please encourage them as you go through. I'm so grateful that we are a community and can be a community that's strong enough to encourage one another to bless those who persecute us. And this is often where life group comes into its own, where life groups that meet during the week they meet together and you share stories of how tough life has been that week. How people have not been pleased about you being a Christian or maybe they've thrown an insult or something, it might be. And I'm so grateful for people with the gift of leadership who lead our life groups in a way that creates an environment so that you can be encouraged not to go back and retaliate but actually to go back and bless that requires a crazy amount of leadership to be able to provide a space that people change from having that instinct to attack to the instinct of bless. That requires a lot of patient leadership. So I'm thankful to our life group leaders. We want to be a society where the lowest in society, we want to be a community where the lowest in society are treated equally. And that, I think, no question the people who work in our food bank tirelessly, week in, week out, they go above and beyond and they give so many extra hours to this, showing the gift of mercy that God has given them for the community that's here, caring for people that they don't yet know. 
giving so much time for them so that those people have a transformed experience of being here. And our BSL team, for those who are deaf and often treated as outcasts in society, our BSL team are encouraging us to be a place where that isn't the case here. And I'm so grateful. We can keep going. Our care team. See, we are often done, people do wrong to us, people treat us harshly, we, are, we experience pain. To have a care team who walk through life with you, but not only that, but help you to get to a point of forgiveness, that is powerful, and you need people who are gifted at encouraging you in that way to get to that life-transforming moment of forgiveness. I'm so grateful that we've got people in our church willing to devote themselves to help others, to forgive others, and to get through all sorts of things that they're struggling with. And then living at peace with everyone. This is the shout out to our trustees. Our trustees are gifted in this way that actually enable us as a community to stay at peace with our neighbors. There's been a situation with the, one of our neighbors over here where we've had to legally do things right so that we remain at peace in this neighborhood. I'm so grateful for our trustees who are gifted in that way so that the Romans 12 community can become a reality, that we're not a church that's just fighting against everyone around us in the community, but actually we're living at peace as a community. I'm really grateful. Amen. The reason I labored all of that is to say that I think we already have an awe-inspiring community, a Romans 12 community where people are using their gifts, but I really would love us to realize and discover more. And that isn't by us putting on extra programs, that's going to be by you stepping out in faith and offering your gifts, and us together figuring out how that's going to work and the community that's going to take shape, and how we are going to overcome evil with good using your gift alongside everyone else's. Because churches like ours are in danger of looking like this man on the left. Um, danger of looking like a man with too many Botox injections, where all of the emphasis is given to the speaking parts where that's the only thing that anyone notices. And kids grow up in church aspiring to be on this platform because that's the coolest place. Come on. <laughs> and in the end, when someone's had too much Botox, they just look the same as everyone else who's had too much Botox. And that can again be the church that we, we just end up looking the same as every other church that puts too much emphasis. I'm not saying in any way that preaching is not important, teaching is not important, but please look at the gift mix. It is one of gifts. It is a responsibility to keep preaching, but it's not, this is not the end goal of Christianity. You probably weren't thinking it when you're looking at me, but <laughs> people can. See, we're not trying to achieve a certain model of church. We are called to achieve the mission of God in the style that God has gifted us to do it. So please, some people step out of being background characters thinking that you could just go and disappear and we wouldn't notice. We need you. Some of you, please continue using the gifts that you've already been given. And some of us, stop trying to do everything. 
and I think we'll become more the community that Jesus prayed for when he prayed to his father in John chapter 17. If the band want to come up, we're going to worship off the back of this. If we can have John 17 up on the screen. And this is the moment, a moment of incredible intimacy where we get to eavesdrop into how Jesus prayed for us, for his immediate disciples and for us with his father. And he says this, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. That's the community of light and life that we want to be. Full measure of joy. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify, set them apart, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Again, all that means is being taken from here to here. It's a transformed life, sanctification. You are being set apart from one place to a new place. From a place of darkness to a place of light. That's sanctification. Jesus is praying that individuals would go from there to there and it's because of our gifts, the gifts he's given his body, that people can. I got distracted. My prayer, verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Remember, all of this starts with the preaching of the gospel. Let's not lose that. May they also... That, they all, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The Holy Spirit is combining us together. Let's not work against the Holy Spirit. Let's work with him. He is bringing us into this joint sacrifice, into this joint mission, to this joint effort together. Let's work with the Holy Spirit, devoting ourselves, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. In Christ, this is what Jesus is praying for. We make the choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this is your mission to overcome evil with good. And it began for us with the preaching of the good news of Jesus. Thank you that we are now taken out of a world of evil and brought into a world of good because of the death of Jesus at the cross. Thank you that it is him that we are connected to. And I thank you that I am connected to everyone here. I thank you that you have knitted me to these people in particular, and I thank you for their gifts and the way that you've shaped them. And Lord, it is a great privilege, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help all of us to make the 
direction of journey that we need to, whether that is coming out of the background, whether it is just being strengthened in what we're already doing, or whether it is taking ourselves off a pedestal and not trying to do everything, but entering into the areas that you have called us to do. We thank you, Lord. And we not only pray for us, but we pray for our churches that look incredibly different to us across our commission family. Those that are meeting in households, small or large. Those who meet in secret and in public. Those who can afford all of the highest tech and those who can't afford a microphone or anything. Lord, bless them and let them experience this amazing blessing of unity as well. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you for everyone actually right now who's in the other rooms. Those who are teaching our kids, those who are cooking the food, those premises staff who are going around getting this building ready for us. We thank you for everyone who devotes themselves during the week to serving this community and creating this community of light and life. Thank you, Lord. We pray, pour out your spirit now. Let us worship you. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.